make money online. So um, this stra- this this episode is going to talk a little bit more about um, strategies for flying well. And there are a few assumptions. Number one, you are taking air travel. Road trips don't count. Uh, fuck Amtrak. Uh, <laughs> there are a lot of... There are a lot of different ways to get around, but we are assuming you are going to hop in a sky tube and you're going to get someplace. There's a lot of stuff that's predicated on that. Another thing is you're, I'm assuming a relatively similar travel schedule, um, which is that I fly about 10 to 15 times a year, uh, less this year, but I also fly long haul about two to three times a year. Uh, so that is assuming a lot of long haul travel. That's actually less than I want to be taking. Um, and I think definitely less than I'm going to be taking within the next five years. But uh, let's just start with two to three, which is a modest amount of times to be going to Europe or Asia every year. Also, uh, you may have noticed from our voices, but we're both dudes. And so our pecking strategies are very dudely. Um, I want to be abundantly clear. There are a lot of things that we talk about as far as minimalist travel that um, the number one thing I hear from the lady friends in the audience and folks of other genders is that those strategies won't work for them. Um, So we're going to dump a bunch of resources on you in the show notes that are written by women and uh, that show how you can actually pull off minimalist travel in a way that doesn't, you know, reference suits (laughs) and ties and pocket squares um, because those are important for dudes, but less important for ladies. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all the assumptions I've got. That's, your that's fair. No, I think that that covers everything. Oh, fourth assumption. Uh, I like cities. I basically travel to the United cities of America. Um, so I don't know what it's like to go camping or to the country in really any capacity. Um, um, if I recall yeah. correctly, you did write an essay about camping, and that's going to be coming out in draft evidence shortly. It is. Excellent. It's about how I fucking hate camping. <laughs> well, now, now, now you 2, know the... 2,000-word diss on camping, Kai. <laughs> so, um, before you even get on an airplane, there are a lot of things that you have to do. And one thing that I wrote about in the like outline for this, and I'll I'll do a whole rant about this, and then Kai will probably be able to take over. But you have to figure out what airline to take, what airplane to take, and what airport to fly into. Those sound easy. They aren't. Um, you will be screwed over by dark pattern user experience design all the bloody time by end up taking an airline that does not give you the award miles that you actually need. Um, by you may take an airline that gives you the right award miles, but then they give you a regional jet to a large city. You don't want regional jets. You want 737s. More and more regional jets are getting phased in because they're trying to cut costs. That is bullshit, and it sucks, and you need to fight against it. Um, Finally, airports. Uh, Chicago is a lovely city that has two airports. One of them is the incorrect airport. (laughs) If somebody tells me I'm flying into Chicago, I give them directions from O'Hare fucking international fucking airport. If you come into Midway, I'm like, you're on your own. They're like, what do you mean I'm on my own? I'm like, I will see you in two and a half hours. So I got, I, I got. That's it. how on your own you are. I, I need to, I need to tell a story here, and I need us to go up one level. So during the trip, you pointed out, Nick, that you and I have special abilities when it comes to travel. M- my ability is a, 
a complete disaster could occur. And I am able to somehow show up with like a piece of handwritten paper and an apologetic look on my face and say, I'm so sorry, I don't understand what happened. Uh, can you please help me? And 13 minutes later, the situation has been resolved. And you're on a plane in first class holding champagne and you don't even drink. And yeah, and I'm just like, okay, th this was great. So uh, in 2012, I went through a period of burnout when I was working at my last day job. And I snap booked a flight to Spain because I'd always wanted to visit Europe Spain. And then three days later, I told my boss that I had a flight departing at 48 hours and it would be cool if I could take some vacation time. And surprisingly, the boss said yes. So part of my trip was flying over to visit my friends in Madrid. So I booked my ticket. I'm so excited. I'm going to be over there for three weeks. I plan out a whole agenda. I work with my VA to figure out like I'm vegan at the time to figure out crazy, like the one vegan restaurant in Madrid I'm going to be able to eat at. Mm -hmm. And so I fly in. Uh, it's my first long haul flight in a while. I pack three, no, I pack two wool jackets for Spain in the summer because I don't know, drugs. But I arrive and- uh, Don't bars do drugs, everyone. This is- <laughs> And so I arrive and I step off the plane and I pull out my phone and I realize I'm in Barcelona and my friends live in Madrid. And it's 85 degrees. It's 85 degrees. Jackets. And I have zero hotel booked in Barcelona because I was it's staying with my friends in Madrid for the first week. And now I'm in Barcelona. So it is very important to confirm what That's city you're flying is there to. Between Barcelona and Madrid, Kai. <laughs> I know. I discovered that on well. day four. <laughs> Bum, 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 bum. Catalonia secede. Anyway, uh, so <laughs> yeah. So another thing, if you end up um, flying in, say New York City, uh, great town, lovely, Eldritch Horror, owned by hedge fund managers. It's great. Go visit. Um, if you're flying in on United Airlines, fucking don't do that. Don't. Do it. You know why you're going to end up in Newark, the worst airport in the United States. If you are putting in an investment, let's say, so one thing that I recommend for a lot of people, pick a large carrier that's boring where the men drink rye at lunch <laughs> and put in as many flights as you possibly can on that particular carrier. It's probably the flag carrier for your country. In the United States, that leaves you with United Delta American, period. There are no other airlines. There are no other options. You have to pick one of those three. Um, and uh, so, you know, I, I live in Chicago. United's a huge hub in Chicago. Um, so I fly United everywhere, except for when I fly to New York. Then I fly JetBlue because the Terminal 5 and JetBlue uh, at JFK is amazing. It's the JetBlue and Aer Lingus Terminal. There's a Muji store. There's free Wi-Fi. There's Bernardus 12 in the lounge. Um I have deliberately done that because I don't want to fly into Newark ever. I would rather chew glass and I want to f have a decent experience in the airport. That trumps getting the extra 2,000 miles on United that I'd be doing flying back and forth from New York. Um, so you need to recognize like what you're balancing in all of that and what what kind of benefits you're getting. Also, fucking all of the O'Hare to Newark flights are regional jets. No, 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 no. Don't fly an RJ unless you have to. Don't fly a economy airline unless you have to. You're going to get burned on it. Everybody does, and you think that you're going to be an optimist. Again, the men have to be drinking riot lunch. Yeah, the one time I've ever flown an economy airline, it was actually from Eugene to Hawaii. We had a $150 round trip, I think, through our economy airline, and it even wasn't worth it at that point. A friend commented to me halfway through the flight, I thought the plane was going to come apart around us. 
every aspect of the experience is dumpy, right? Like yep. the terminals they fly into are bad. The security is bad. The flight attendants are bad. Every aspect of it is bad. And, and, and like are, the honest truth of it is you're going to end up paying the same amount because they upcharge you at every single instance, unless you are describing Kai and Nick's ideal vacation where we just fly somewhere with what's in our pockets right now. They're going to charge you for bag number one. They're going to charge you for a water on the flight. They're going to charge you for anything. Like one uh, recently I flew a budget airline domestically. And by the time and at first I was like, oh, it's half the price of, you know, flying United. Sure, I'll do that. I like saving money. And by the time I had added in all the necessities, like, yes, I am checking a bag on this flight. It was the exact same cost as flying my normal mainstream airline. And I realized at that point I was staring into a bag of lies and would never do this again. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, you just need to fly on boring flag carriers, pay the extra 50, 100 bucks to do it. You should be doing that. Um, if you're a consultant, I assure you that you can afford this sort of thing. It's totally reasonable. Um, and then, you know, again, pick a carrier and do everything you can to nurture that relationship, but keep looking askance, right? So one thing that I do is when I fly elsewhere, I like, internationally i try and fly on um the flag carrier airlines that are in the same network so united is in what's called star alliance and there are a couple dozen airlines um scandinavian airlines i believe cathay pacific is in there singapore that sort of thing and so when you're flying elsewhere ana is on there you can get miles on united by flying eg scandinavian airlines so you can take the nicer airline and still end up pretty good um Figuring out what seat to take um, once you're on the airplane. Um, there are two things that you should do. Nobody who flies frequently cares about the view out the window. You don't need a window seat. The only time you should have a window seat is when it is also an aisle seat when you have the misfortune of being on a regional jet or the grand fortune of being on a long-haul first-class flight. Um, beyond that, you should be taking an aisle seat. You should be able to get to the uh, flight attendants easily so that you can throw stuff away. You should be able to talk with them more effectively. You should be able to get the amenities that you want. And above all, you should be able to go and crap easily when you're 30,000 feet in the air. Um, figuring out what row to do your aisle seat on, go to seatguru.com and uh, do what you can there. When you check in, try and seek out better seats. Try and seek out better options. Try and seek out cheaper upgrades. Um, show up early to the airport if you at all possibly can so that you can try and get on the standby list to get business class, uh, especially for long-haul flights. I did this. I showed up at Skipple three hours early. They offered to upgrade me to first class for $41 from Amsterdam to O'Hare. I had an eight-course meal in the sky. I got very lucky. Um, we are very jealous you can of Nick. To pamper. I'm sorry? We are very jealous of Nick. I mean, it was... It was luck. You won the lottery. Uh, I won the lottery. I yeah. mean, I had a pretty bad flying year before that, so mm -hmm. I deserve to win the flying lottery. Yes. Um, do all of those things. Uh, I think that's... We just spent 15 minutes talking about taking the plane. I think we need to blaze through. This is going to be pretty surface but broad overview one one small travel hack that i very much enjoy and that i try to do whenever possible uh a flight attendant told me about this uh show up with a bag of chocolates like go to your local dairy mart 7-eleven convenience store or albertson safeway whatever kroger uh buy a bag of chocolates like party size and as soon as you see the first flight attendant on your flight just say 
Thank you so much. I brought this for you. It's an insider thing that flight attendants do for other flight attendants, and they'll immediately say, are you in the industry? And you just go, no, uh, I just thought it'd be a nice thing. The first time I did this on a domestic flight, I think it was back from Philadelphia, uh, they comped me two drinks. And they just were like, do you want a gin and tonic? And I'm like, sure. And they gave me a gin and tonic. And like, it shows gratitude because these people are schlepping their asses off while you're sitting around trying to, you know, arrive somewhere on a plane. So it's a nice thing to do and it could pay off in unexpected ways. If they need to bump somebody like up a bit or swap around seats, you're probably not going to be the guy who ends up with a shitty seat. Um, let's talk packing. Mm-hmm. Um, never check your luggage if you can avoid it, which means you need to have one piece of luggage that is the absolute international dimension maximum for uh, for flights. This means you need to be getting a slightly smaller carry-on than what is legally allowable in the United States and Canada. Um, you should be carrying that and a backpack and that's it. Um, additional hack, pay to get in groups one or two or get priority boarding. It's usually about $30 per flight. That allows you to avoid getting gate checked on short flights, especially RJs. It's insanely valuable. Get premier access, show up to your gate about 15 minutes before boarding. Um, the reason that that is important is so that you can keep an eye on your luggage, save time so you're not waiting at that luggage carousel. I've waited an hour at a luggage carousel before. It's horrible. Um, you want to be enjoying your trip, and you want to not have to deal with any variables in like connecting your flight or whatever have you. So when I flew or to LHR ARN recently, I flew to Heathrow, had to check through uh, secure. Uh, I had to go through customs, get my luggage, check through security. The, my not having to check luggage was it saved me about an hour and allowed me to make my connection like the only reason i ever check my luggage is when i'm bringing a ton of booze home from somewhere um and you should be doing roughly the same thing mm -hmm. now i agree the, with that i'm recently a convert to always 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 carry it on and never check and uh it's been very very nice so, you know, you may be thinking one international size carry-on and one backpack equals I can't go on a plane because I carry a dead body and 25 sacks of grain onto an airplane. Here's how you pack lightly. Um, there are a lot of things that I do to save space on when I'm packing. And so uh, Kai and I have materially a similar essentials list. I actually bring one pair of pants, two shirts, um, four or five undershirts, one jacket, uh, a raincoat if I'm going someplace rainy, um, seven pairs of underwear, three pairs of socks because I use smart wool and you can wear them multiple times. Um, I put them in packing cubes so that they can pack down really easily. I bring a dop kit. On long-haul flights, I also bring on my carry-on sleep mask, earplugs, pajamas, travel adapters, travel pillow, flat pack backpack, so it packs down, and actually it's just like a nylon sack that I bring around instead of my giant backpack, um, and uh, lotion because uh, long-haul flights are insanely dry and you will absolutely need it. Um, I also bring a folding hanger to accommodate my shirts because there are a lot of times I go to Airbnbs and for some reason they don't have hangers or whatever have you, or the hangers are crappy. Um, 
And then I bring no rinse detergent and I hand wash everything in a sink. So I reuse my stuff. No matter how long a flight I do, if I'm traveling for three weeks, I'm still bringing only six or seven pairs of underwear and I'm hand washing them every so often and just hanging them around my Airbnb. Um, And that allows me to repeat stuff. I minimize shoes because they take up an insane amount of space. I minimize suits and jackets, and I try and wear them on the plane. Planes can get cold. Planes can get hot. You need to be able to accommodate uh, wearing either a hoodie on your freezing airplanes that you can fall asleep easily or taking off a bunch of stuff and wearing a blanket. All of the stuff that the airline provides you is dog shit, even on first class. You end up getting pajamas Yeah, you end up getting pajamas that are sandpaper, even on first class. I know this sounds terribly spoiled. They are no substitute for the pajamas that you are familiar with and you wear possibly every day. Um, International travel, I also bring a SIM card that's called... uh, It's basically a sticker that connects on my SIM and it works in any country for a flat rate data plan. It's called No Roaming, K-N-O-W Roaming. Um, I use Muji containers for my toiletries because they're stackable. Uh, I, uh, basically beyond that, uh, for things like sleep mask and travel adapters and stuff like that, I go to the wire cutter and I just buy their recommendations and they've never steered me astray. I do the same thing for packing cubes. When you're traveling, um, often you are plugging your phone into jacks that you don't know what they're actually going to do to your phone. And so I use a little device that's called a sync stop and it's like a dongle that connects between your phone and a jack. And so if you've ever plugged your phone into the USB port on like a long haul flight and it asked to share your photos because it's thinking that you want to play your family videos on the your seat back that keeps that from happening so at the very least it's insanely convenient but also it could potentially be a security risk if you plug in like somebody random's laptop at a coffee shop or something um and you need to be charging your phone in a in a really fast way uh so you know do things that can be worn multiple times. Uh, I wear Uniqlo shirts, smart wool socks, ex officio underwear. Um, they're fast dry. Uh, and make sure that you're able to um, flat pack everything as much as humanly possible. Um, there's very little air left in my luggage. Uh, and I've never had a problem with it. It's worked out really, really well for me. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you want to add on packing stuff? Uh, packing stuff. A uh, huge realization I had recently was that it's always going to be easier to deal with the pain of buying something while you're on vacation than schlepping around something you don't actually need. So I try to underpack as much as possible. Uh, on our recent trip to Philadelphia together, Nick and I went to the Uniqlo store because I was like, I am out of shirts. Can we buy shirts? And so I bought two overshirts and three undershirts and then I was set. Like it's always going, no matter where you are, it's going to be easier to buy clothing than you expect. And honestly, I've been on the reverse where I'm like, okay, I better bring like five pairs of pants and three jackets and every single sock I own. And then I'm just lugging around this huge suitcase that I can't get to close. I'd much rather underpack and say, oh, I need an extra shirt for dinner. Okay. I'm going to go spend $30 and buy a shirt. Done. And I can't tell you how many times I've left like little gifts in Airbnbs that were just like the random crap I bought while I was traveling. Oh yeah, I've, so, I've, I, I, here's uh, a bottle of body wash. It's like economy sized, and I can't bring it on an airplane. So there you go. Oh, additional packing uh, life hack: um, reduce as many liquids as humanly possible so you can go through easier. Uh, I don't have a war on liquids bag, but I do have um, bar shampoo. I use JR Jr. Ligots, which is amazing. Bar soap. 
I have shaved soap. Um, the only liquid that I bring through anymore is either my laundry detergent liquid, which you can probably get powder and get away with it, and uh, lotion if it's a long-haul flight, and um, toothpaste. Toothpaste is the big one. And I've heard there's powder toothpaste, which I don't trust, but like you can go liquid free when you're traveling. I bring a giant bottle that's empty and I just fill it with water right after I get through security. It's super, super, super easy. So I didn't even bring any toothpaste on. My toiletries were incredibly low on this trip. I didn't bring any toothpaste with me. And the first thing I did was notice there was a pharmacy across the street from my first Airbnb, walk in, not able to speak any English, figure out what the toothpaste was because it had a photo of somebody smiling on it buy it and boom, I had toothpaste and I left that and it was easier than expected. So I think like your strategy is great, but there's also the alternative strategy of like, well, fly liquid free. And first thing you do is you hit up the local supermarket and you buy shampoo, conditioner, soap, toothpaste, and then you leave it when you're done. And great. It's, it's yeah, that it easy. 10 bucks. You're yeah. Done. Yeah. I mean, my crazy thing on this trip was I uh, charged my electric razor. I shave like daily and I charged my electric razor and put it in my dop kit and had my bag and it accidentally turned on during the flight. And see, if we go back a day, I thought I don't need to bring the charger for this, which is some proprietary piece of shit, because of course, uh, you know, a full charge will last me the two weeks I'll be away. Well, my razor was dead as soon as I opened up my top kit. So I went out and I dropped 40 bucks on a new electric razor. And I left that in my last Airbnb because for $40 to have access to, you know, the ability to shave for that time. Perfect. Great. It was a subscription service. And then the subscription ran out. Mm hmm. Yep. Yep. Um, as far as luggage is concerned, Kai and I differ severely severely on what in my defense i went to the wire cutter and said what does the wire cutter recommend and then made the mistake of buying their runner up i should have bought the i bought the travel pro crew 1022 i should have brought the travel pro platinum magna too y'all are consultants you want the upgrade pick and i have two friends for you their names are briggs and riley and uh <laughs> Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. You get a nice Briggs and Riley international sized uh, roller suitcase, um, and not the the Travel Pro garbage where all the zippers are going to break and the cordura is going to rip. And it's what not model? What collection do you recommend for Briggs and Riley? What up? Give, but give me your specific pick for Briggs and Riley. What model? Oh God, um, I forget what it is. I bought it from the wire cutter. Just mm. go on the wire cutter. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, um, when you're actually traveling before you travel, uh, screenshot and print out copies of the following, all of the places you're staying, your Airbnb listings, your hotel listings, uh, all of your tickets, plane, train, automobile, all of your, uh, rental car receipts, all of your airline tickets, get physical paper copies of them and shred them as you go along the trip. Um, store copies of your essential draw, uh, documents on Dropbox. Uh, I keep a emergency USB uh, in my fifth pocket of my jeans at all times when I'm traveling, and that contains all of my like personal documents and all of my health insurance in an unencrypted folder. And the keys to the Corolla, my one password vault, in an encrypted folder that only Aaron knows the password to. Um, Get a credit card that doesn't charge international foreign transaction fees. There are many by Capital One uh, and Chase and Citibank that do this. Do not travel internationally with an American Express. 
Um, or if you do just expect that it's not going to work in half the places you go, um, have an over, have an overall broad stroke game plan, but don't be too dogmatic about it is like my big suggestion. Mm -hmm. But, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What I was most impressed with, with traveling with you was, uh, we'd start out a day and you'd say like, there's six different, there's six options on the table. We should probably do one or two of them and include some slack time. Which of these sound interesting? And it wasn't like, here's the agenda. By 8.30 a.m. we need to be here. It was like, we are going to wander in these general directions. We are going to have these experiences. And uh, along the way, we'll be eating at delicious restaurants. And it was very, very nice and refreshing because there both was a plan, that broad stroke plan, but no specific, we're late. We're running behind. What's going on? When you land on a domestic flight, get a drink. When you land on an international flight, get a coffee, then later get a drink. Um... While you're in the airport, uh, do everything you can to skip all of the lines. I just want to note, we went 32 minutes on this podcast episode and did not mention TSA PreCheck or Global Entry in any capacity. Get them. The end. I don't think we need to elaborate on it. You'll understand. Um, get Global Entry. It includes TSA PreCheck. It costs $100 for every five years. It involves an utterly invasive background check, but you have nothing to hide, don't do you? So you're great. Uh, um Right. <laughs> so uh, once you get through the airport, the goal is to skip as many lines as humanly possible. Priority boarding allows you to not gate check. Um, getting through TSA allows your life to be considerably easier. So get pre-check. Um, getting in the lounge is super helpful, which is why it's important for you to build up relationship with the carrier. The easiest way to get in the lounge is to buy the credit card that pertains to your carrier that gives you unlimited lounge access. For United is the United Mileage Plus Club card. Um, there's equivalents for both Delta and American. Delta's is American Express Platinum. Um, uh, Americans is on City. I forget exactly what the name of it is. It's like executive, elite, cool, badonkadonk thing. Um, and uh, then get in the lounge and relax and pour yourself a beer because they have unlimited beer in the lounge. Um, but don't go too nuts because you have an airplane to get on. Um and they have free Wi-Fi. There you go. You can just work there. That's about it for airports. The goal is to be in the airport as little as humanly possible. <laughs> so uh, when you're out of the airport, hopefully there's a train that takes you into town. Uh, take the train. Don't take the cab. There's usually a good option. Um, I've rarely found situations where the train is not a good viable option. New York is one of them. You want to pretty much have to take a cab. Um, they haven't built like a high speed rail line into Grand Central or anything yet. As somebody who's a travel virgin compared to Nick, I have to completely agree. Taking the train, taking the metro is almost always the preferred option. But uh, my experience and my, what I've done on the most recent trips is I just know I'm paying extra for the cab or the Uber, but I'm just off of a long haul flight. I don't want to have to try to decode and decipher what I should be doing and what stop I should be getting off on. Even if it costs me 2x, I just want to be able to get in a car and say here and know I'm going to end up there and not have to worry about it on the way. Yeah, I don't know. I don't fully agree with that because it's uh, theoretically you should have the stop planned out before you go in. Good right? point. Like mm -hmm. I if I haven't done this before I get on the plane before I get on the plane, I Google what stop I have to get off at, and then I print out a map of the exact route there in case that my SIM card doesn't work, something like that. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit... I think we have a different school of thought there. Mm -hmm. The problem is, for me, when I take cabs around, the more I take a cab, the less I gain fluency with a city when mm -hmm. I'm in it, and mm -hmm. the more I get divorced from actually being 
being on the ground and understanding what the contours of it are really like, mm-hmm. which I think transitions nicely into actually being in a city. So mm-hmm. how do you how do you wayfind in cities, Kai? Oh God, I'm the wrong person to ask about this. I'm the complete noob here, Nick. How do you wayfind in cities? Oh, Jesus, I've been talking too much. <laughs> You're the expert here. It's your show. <laughs> it's your show too, man. I oh. um, but anyway, so uh, my number one thing I do when I'm in cities, I walk as much as possible. I bike whenever I can. I take city bike share whenever I can. I take the train whenever possible. I avoid cabs whenever humanly possible. I only do them for. Um, when I'm insanely time crunched or when the place I'm trying to go is insanely remote and far removed from transit. And that can, that's usually the airport. Um, so it's never really a huge issue for me. Um, one of my goals in a city is to never take the same route twice because that gives me a greater sense of what the uh, actual city is like. Uh, and I end up finding a lot of just amazing serendipitous experiences through that. Um, I... I don't know. That's about it. I keep Metro maps on my iPhone and I just check those. So I'm not stuck staring at a uh, Metro map all the time. Keeping a Metro map on your phone is good. Uh, uh, We talked a little bit about data, but mostly in the context, I think of the no roaming SIM card attachment that you got. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, uh, having an iPhone is the way I am able to navigate a city. Same. Um, I, I check did, Yelp and TripAdvisor and other people for their recommendations. I get rec lists from natives, and I mm-hmm. go through there. Uh, I, I tend to prioritize natives above TripAdvisor, above Yelp, above Foursquare, but that depends heavily on the uh, city. Foursquare is huge in Tokyo, question mark, so I prioritized Foursquare a little higher there. Um, but, yeah, so it, it really depends heavily. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I did not know about no roaming until day two of our trip when I said, Nick, what SIM card are you using? And he looked at me like he often does with a mixture of incredulity, incredulity, I can't even Incredulity. Incredulity. Thank you so much, good sir. And disappointment and just sighed. And it was like, no roaming. And I was like, what's that? And he's like, oh, Kai, oh, Kai. So I spent my trip arriving in new countries, Finding the nearest bodega or 7-Eleven. 7-Elevens are huge in Copenhagen, and I don't understand it. And in Tokyo, too. Yeah. And buying a SIM card. And so I just SIM hopped from country to country. It definitely cost me more than no roaming did, but I was amazed at how accessible it was to walk in and literally just say SIM card and you know, the equivalent of 20 or $30 later, have a SIM card loaded with two to five gigabytes of data, plunk it in, dial a couple numbers, and I was up and running. Yeah, I hate having to run the errand for SIM card every time I'm in a new country, which happens basically, you know, every other day when you're in Europe. So um, what I do is I get like a global SIM card that just switches over to the correct network when you're moving into a new country. It It works out well for me. It was magic. We took the train from Stockholm to Copenhagen together. And at one point I was like, well, there goes my data. And Nick just smiles and holds up his phone and is like, look, it changed. And so what was waiting for me as soon as I got home? My my own no roaming card. And I'm very excited that next time you go to melbourne tomorrow yeah oh another thing about being on the plane um i schedule roughly every minute well not every minute but you know i schedule my flight um i know what movies i'm going to be watching i have them loaded on my ipad i know how long it's going to take me to go through my insta paper queue i know how long i'm going to be sleeping and so I've scheduled my time, but it's also scheduled around the flight attendant's time. Like, I'm not going to mess with their meal times, and I'm not going to mess with their service. 
Um, so, you know, I know roughly how long that takes and you can always Google like the review of the flight, basically like all you just say or to LHR coach review. And then, you know, that there's about a four and a half hour period in the middle of an or LHR flight that lights out. Everybody's going to be sleeping. And before that you can, you know, watch dumb movies, uh, listen to music, read Instapaper, do whatever you need to do. Um, but you don't want to be on a flight running out of something to do. And that goes even more for big flights. So it's just more ambitious, right? So I flew LAX to Melbourne in February. I actually Googled this before this episode. It is the 16th longest commercial consumer flight in the world right now. Um, and all the other ones are pretty close by. They like differ by a couple hundred miles. That's maybe a half hour of flight time. So I, for all intents, was on the longest possible flight I could take. And the last hour of it was a living hell because I ran out of stuff to do. It sucked. And that last hour, I could have been occupying myself with stuff. But I was just there, like, staring into the middle distance and listening to the gas album again. And it was, like, not fun. It was not fun. So schedule your time. And you can't do this even on too short of a flight. Like I fly 30-minute flights sometimes, and it and it definitely helps because it allows me to just like keep my mind occupied and make sure that I'm not punting to whatever crappy entertainment system they have. Yeah, have a, have a go-to list of things that you want to do on a flight or even in any travel period. I have just a text file, which is like things to do when you're bored, Kai. And if I'm on a train, if I'm waiting someplace, if people haven't arrived at a restaurant, if I'm on the metro, and I don't know what to do, I'll pull that up and be like, oh, I wanted to do that thing. Here's a link. Or go play yeah. that game. Here's a link. Due to turbulence, don't expect to get work done. No. You might also get a little lightheaded. You might know what to not know what to do, and you're not going to have enough executive function to get work done. But you can plan out like dumb stuff to listen to. You know, um, one last thing about the airplane, and I think I'm done for stuff to talk about on the airplane. Um, air vent, use it. It is better for your sanitation. You are literally in a sky tube with badly recirculating air with a bunch of people who are probably sick, especially on long haul flights. They're probably sick with stuff your immune system hasn't actually adapted to. And that's just the fact of it. And um, I don't want you to get sick after you get on your awesome trip. So um, do the air vent. Do it so it blows directly in front of your face. So the air you're taking in through your nose is clean. <laughs> I know. I know it's small, but, but it's it, important. It also keeps you awake. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, turn it down, not off when you go to sleep. Yeah. No, I can't disagree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, jet lag and its existence is a terrible, horrible, terrible thing. <sighs> jet lag. Um, so my number one recommendation for jet lag, I strongly recommend getting upgraded to first class on KLM for $41. <laughs> Thank In you. In the absence of that. Thank you. Episode end. Ba, 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 bum. No. Um, in the absence of that, um, invest in a sleep mask. Take a melatonin right before you're going to go to sleep. Um, rework your meal times because jet lag fucks up your meal times. Drink coffee, not Red Bull, because that sort of uppers actually doesn't help your ability to sleep when you need to. Always drink coffee. Never not drink coffee. Get Kai Davis addicted to really nice coffee. Oh, God. I'm, I'm reading different Mac bloggers reviews of coffee equipment, Nick. It's terrible. It is. What have you done? I'm about to spend $1,000 on coffee equipment. 
And then you're going to critique my coffee equipment choice. I know it. You can spend half, you'll be fine. <laughs> uh, anyway. But yes, very nice coffee is good. Uh, good coffee is good. One, um, one yeah. substance that I use, Nick has not used in the past, it's, it's Schedule 4 in America. You, you're able to order it online. This sort of like touches a gray zone in my mind, but I want to share it. It's called modafinil. It's a wakefulness agent. It's not, not an amphetamine. It makes you more alert. It helps you deal with, oh gosh, I just landed and it's 2 p.m. and I want to like have a resemblance of a normal day and fall asleep at a normal time. I've used it both to adjust when flying to a new place and flying home. And it does work. There's minimal side effects. Google it, find a uh, reputable source and see if it's something that would make sense for you. But I always think of it as a counterpart of melatonin. Melatonin helps me fall asleep. Modafinil helps me be more awake and it can help balance out the first few days of Horrible Scandinavian sun never setting jet lag. Yeah, I I just agree with all of that. Um, I mean, I try not to use uppers. It's probably better to use something that's a little bit more natural than, say, five-hour energy or Red Bull. Um, I think that the, the actual number of hours of energy is probably a lie anyway. It's probably more like four and a half. We need to get the guys in the lab on this. There's some truth in advertising issues with five-hour energy. Dear sirs, 4.9. I wish to register a complaint. <laughs> um, uh, let's talk. I think we're, I'm sorry. Uh, let's talk uniforms and let's talk, uh, sure. You at the start of the episode, you said, okay, so there might be some exceptions or objections from female listeners or non-male listeners. Uh, let's let's tackle that before the, we end the episode. Oof. Um, well, I need to do a, a classical privilege confession here by saying I'm a dude. And I do not know what it is like to be a lady. However, doing a lot of research, looking at a handful of friends' blog posts. A few years ago, one of uh, my colleagues named Timony West, she wrote a blog post about what she wears every day. And it's literally what she wears every day, not just in travel. And um, it's like four outfits. And she figured out how to pair it back, how to figure out something that she wanted to do, and how to make it work for her, and how to change it up so that it still looked fresh and interesting. Um, There are a lot of other blog posts by women that we're going to be linking in the show notes that um, basically talk about how you can change up an outfit and find many combinations. And only goal here is to make it look like you're not wearing the exact same thing two days in a row for what amounts to probably a three to seven day trip, because you can repeat after a week. You're the only one who cares. Um, And I know that sounds terrible, but you can go normcore and probably very few people will be critiquing your outfit, especially when you're traveling. I'm 100% normcore. The bar when you're traveling is a bad t-shirt and a fanny pack and flip-flops and you signifying as if you're an American asshole. You can clear that bar very, very easily by wearing, say, a nice button-down shirt. Or vibrant like automatically fingers. You've automatically rocketed into the 99 percentile of dressing when you're traveling. There are only a tiny handful of exceptions where the bar is slightly higher fashion-wise, and that is if you are going to fancy places of the following cities. Tokyo, Milan, New York City, even then no one cares— uh, London, even then no one cares. Um, Paris, even then no one cares, but you're probably going to get pickpocketed. Um, that's about it. That's about the, of all of the places I've traveled in my entire stupid life. The only places where I felt like I was underdressing by wearing like a nice button down shirt were Tokyo and Milan. 
basically. And I felt like I could have done better in places like New York or I don't know why people go to LA, but they're probably also. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I think there's that informs your minimal packing strategy, right? Like it allows you to to pair back to two or three outfits or like, you know, two pairs of pants and two shirts or like a dress or something like that. And then you can accessorize and that's about it. I actually came home from my trip and first day back, uh, I donated five boxes of clothing to my local Goodwill because I realized going on this trip to Europe that I really did not need as much clothing as I was keeping around. And so I just did the Marie Kondo do I love this? Do I hate this? Does it bring me joy on every single item in my wardrobe? And a large percentage of it made its way into boxes. And I'm a lot happier. And it's made me realize like the commonalities and what I enjoy wearing and what works for my body. And that help, helps inspire me when I think about like, well, how do I want my personal fashion and style to evolve in a year? Which is like a non-consulting, but could be a decent episode topic down the line. Uh, uh, yeah, approach to it. So I, I do the Marie Kondo thing where I go through every single one of the objects I'm packing, and then I, I don't necessarily ask if it sparks joy and then throw it away. I ask, is this absolutely essential to the trip, and then don't pack it. Um, and I screwed this up last time. I packed three jackets. Why? I needed one. And it took up an ungodly amount of space. I completely whiffed it. So uh, th you're never not done removing things. Always, always, always have a firm, rational, solid justification for it that is not the patriarchy, and go with that as your packing strategy. That's pretty much all I can recommend there. Can I tell you my big packing fuck up this trip? Oh, I heard the sigh. Oh, the sigh fills me with joy. So I decided it would be smart to bring a one-gallon thing of protein powder with me, just in case I needed protein powder. And day six of this trip, I hurled that into the garbage can as hard as I could and said, no, bad Kai, you made a mistake. Why didn't you hurl it into like one of the rivers in Stockholm and like give it some more protein? Fish need protein. Swedes need protein. <laughs> but yes. And once I threw that out, I was like, I have so much space in my suitcase. This is wonderful. And you, and you thank, it, thank it for its service. And then you know what you do? You fly back home and you blast all caps by Mad Villain as you walk through the baggage claim and pass the baggage claim with your carry-on luggage like a boss. Mm -hmm.